welcome in for a new episode of Bitcoin Made Simple, where I talk to Shinobi um, about BIP 119. Um, I know Phil just did an episode with Guy and John Carvalho, kind of walking through what they were thinking it is. Um, but uh, Shinobi, I think, had been way ahead of this and talking about these things about a year ago. Um, and he's not worried at all, which was surprising to me about the BIP. So I wanted to get him on. If you don't know what a BIP is, it's a um, improvement proposal, a Bitcoin improvement proposal, um, something that would change the you know code, uh, do a soft fork, and um, it was kind of getting rushed out there. So uh, I had to learn about it and uh, and wanted to learn as much as I could um, to understand and, and make an educated decision. Um, and you know, I still stand by the fact that I think everything should be slowly rolled out. Nothing should be done hastily, um, and you know everybody should take their time. So um, I, I apologize. In this episode, you'll hear a little bit of it, it, we did it as a Twitter space, um, and I don't know how often I'll do that, uh, just because it it's a little rougher. It's harder to f- um, focus. But I also apologize because uh, you'll hear my microphone. I was like wearing my earbuds plugged into my phone. So the audio is good, but like you'll hear occasionally it like, you know, scratching against my shirt or whatever, which everybody hears on the phone. So hopefully it's not too much of a problem for you, but I am surprised Twitter actually does pretty good with the audio. Um, It comes out like better than you would expect. Like uh, uh, just from basically ripping it uh, and using your headphones. Like if I tried to record this off of earbuds, it would be terrible. Um, instead of using a you know regular standard microphone. So anyways, um, so the audio is good. Just wanted to give that, throw that out there. And then also um, this is like a pretty, like this topic has a lot to think about. Um, so I might sound a little slower <laughs> in this episode, um, which, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm slow when it comes to Bitcoin, so I'm learning, but uh, it might be a little bit slower in the sense that like, I'm really sitting there in real time and like thinking things through and, and trying to think of, you know, good educated questions to, uh, to help you guys understand this better and help myself understand it. Um, so uh, bear with me. Hopefully, hopefully the, you know, it's not like long, painful pauses, um, but you can kind of hear me working it out in my head and thinking through this. So, uh, you know, and I really appreciate Shinobi coming on and, and, uh, kind of explaining this proposal and, and why it's good. And, and then also kind of, we, it frames for the future, like how we need to be paying attention to things and improvements and changes going forward. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and the sponsors are the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Talk more about them. They're brought to you by shift a shift brought to you from shift crypto uh, made by shift crypto. And then also movies plus, which by the way, I'm going to add some, I, I think I'm going to do a mining episode next week. I have a couple episodes that are recorded and ready, but I, I'm ready to do my next mining one. So I'll probably record a mining one sometime this week. Um, and put that up there and then i might even talk about a little little tiny bit i know you guys don't care too too much this is a bitcoin podcast but um but uh movies plus is making some some moves and and uh you know uh shaking things up a little bit here and uh and i think i'll be able to officially announce a relatively decent sized announcement so um 
you know, we'll, uh, we could talk about that. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like a pressure filled uh, moment for movies. Plus, uh, it's one of those things where you got to put your, uh, your, uh, your balls on the line. I guess you gotta, you gotta make some big, uh, you gotta, you can't just sit there and, and take no risks in business and expect it to just all turn up roses for you. So, um, you know, we're taking, uh, you don't, you don't swing, you don't take swings to hit it out of the park that will leave you, make you leave the game if you swing and miss. Um, but uh, you got to take some big swings every once in a while and aim for the fences. So uh, doing that and uh, hopefully I can share that with you guys and kind of walk you through my mindset. But uh, yeah, so check out Movies Plus as well. And you can see uh, there's four or five Bitcoin documentaries on there now, adding more stuff as usual. And yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. We want to email the show. Um, email is Bitcoin made simple podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email, ask questions, tell me that I sound stupid. I don't know, whatever you can uh, send messages there and I uh, maybe will read it on the podcast. But uh, right now I uh, get into the conversation here that I had with Shinobi and Phil joined me. Um, Phil chimed in a, a couple times here on the, on the Twitter space. And uh, yeah, it was a good convo and I hope you guys take something away from this and, and help understand your, uh, this bit a little bit better and make sure you do your own research and stay on top of it. Um, but uh, let's, yeah, let's just, I guess, get into it because um, we're talking, as I tweeted out, BIPing ain't easy. Um, and so this BIP 119 or 11.9, <laughs> somebody said, um, has come out and everybody is is asking what in the world is BIP 119? Why do I need these? covenants why do i need you know anything to do with this why do we need to change anything with bitcoin it's going to ruin everything the world is falling and um and i guess it's not shinobi is i guess but, but let me let me frame that into a question um so what exactly is this bip and and what is bip 119 proposing to do In the simplest form, um, it is a really basic covenant scheme that just effectively does the same thing pre-signed transactions can do, except with a trust model enforced by consensus. Like, something you could do right now is take all of your coins and like pre-sign a transaction, sending them to a specific place and then destroy your private keys. And when you destroy your private keys, it is now impossible for those coins to be spent in any other way, except using that pre-signed transaction where you decided ahead of time where you're going to send them. Uh, CTB pretty much just does that exact same thing by including the hash of the spending transaction you define ahead of time in the locking script for a UTXO. So that instead of having to trust somebody to delete a private key or having to have everybody involved in like benefiting from those pre-signed transactions be part of the multi-sig that signs them, 
Um, it's just enforced by a consensus rule. Um, and that in, in the simplest possible way you can put it is all CTV does. It just takes the utility of pre-signed transactions, deciding ahead of time what you want to do with your coins and allows you to do that in a way where the consensus rules of the network enforce that and lock into that instead of like having to trust somebody to delete private keys or having to get involved in a multi-sig with everybody that you're trying to do something with. So why would you want to do this? Because the features I hear really are just coming from the custodian's perspective. Whether that's you make these covenants and it makes it easier for you to manage the Bitcoin per client account, whatever. But um, can you just kind of maybe go through the difference between how this will be used at the custodian level and the personal level? I mean, Phil, that's kind of a silly question and line of argumentation because I could say the same thing about multisig. Um, you know, multisig could heavily benefit uh, custodians. Um, and what are normal people going to really do with it? Because they don't know what they're doing in this space. So why do we need multisig? Uh, covenants and things like OpCTV can create cold storage vaults where you are only allowed to remove a portion of your coins at a time and have to wait for a time lock to expire to pull anything more out of it. That's not just something beneficial to custodians, that's beneficial to end users. Um, it can onboard massive amounts of people on the Lightning Network by having transactions committed to ahead of time that eventually unfurl and open up a shit ton of lightning channels, but that are 100% committed to and impossible to back out of the minute that first transaction in that tree is confirmed. It allows you to actually construct a lightning channel where one party can just be receiving money um, without having to have a private key online. They can just, like somebody can just open a channel to you with you not even having to be online or involved in that. And then from that point, start using it. Um, it can be used as a mechanism for miners to coordinate in the same way that they use centralized mining pools to do without having to do any actual network coordination. It is just a simple like optimization of a bunch of shit you can do with pre-signed transactions except removing the requirement to either be involved in a multi-sig with somebody ahead of time to make it trustless or trust somebody to delete a private key and not keep a copy of it so that you cannot back out of something once you start it. So, okay. Um, now, in these, uh, I mean, in, for anyone in the audience, you're going to hear me talk really smooth-brained uh, through some of this stuff um, <laughs> as I try to, to bring it down um, to my level, which is uh, the, the non-tech uh, level. Um, so with these covenants, the, so one of the things that kind of scared me, but I 
have worked my way through it. And I mean, like I've, I've been messaging, you know, like Jeff Swan and, and, and guy and, you know, Phil and I, and, you know, Shinobi, I reached out to you. I've been asking everybody trying to get as much information as possible. So the recursive covenant is not a thing. Cause I think there was just a general idea with this BIP that was like, well, what if, they put a, I think Andreas put out a video saying, you know, what if governments put a, a, a restriction on how this could be spent going forward? And that's not a possibility, right? Uh, no. And I do want to just say that it's fucking hilarious to me that I brought up these concerns and actually wrote a whole piece about this last year. And specifically explained that things like CTV cannot do that type of shit. And now all of a sudden you have a bunch of airheaded talking heads like Andreas just like, Oh, this thing about that that nobody was paying attention to last year. Oh my God. Um, But yeah, in in order to do something like that, um, let's go back to the example of pre-signed transactions. Let's say that you want to like give somebody control over Bitcoin, but tell them like where they can spend it. So let's think this through. The first thing you do is you create an address to load and then you get the keys ready to pre-sign a bunch of shit. Now let's say you're giving somebody one Bitcoin and there is uh, you know a hundred different places that they're allowed to spend that. So let's do the math here. There is a hundred million Satoshis in one Bitcoin. Um, there are a hundred different places you can spend that. So that is 10 billion pre-signed transactions that you have to do for that because you you don't know how much money somebody's going to spend so you have to take each of those hundred addresses and you have to sign transactions going to all of them for every single possible denomination of bitcoin that somebody could spend at any one of those places and then sign all of them and now here's the kicker what about the change? Now you have to have a change address that goes back to an address that you have the key to, and you have to do it all over again. And you have to pre-sign all of those fucking transactions for every possible denomination, for every possible place they could be spent. And then you have to do it again. And you have to do it again and again and again recursively for every single fucking combination of these things down every path of, of potential amounts that could be spent here until there's no coins left. And then you have to give that to them. That's insane. Like that exponentially explodes into something that servers could not handle doing for a single person without being put under a massive load, let alone every single fucking customer withdrawing coins from an exchange. Now, the only thing that CTV changes about that is they don't have to sign anything. 
but they still have to pre-compute all of that. that. That's just insane. That is completely impractical. That would never be workable. Like, end of story. Like, CTV cannot do something like that, period. It's just not practically possible. Okay, good. Because that was, you know, just the initial, like, anytime uh, seeing like a whisper of that, it was like, oh, God, like, I hate the idea of, you know, I, ke- I keep telling people I, th- I have this fear with Bitcoin as as we ramp up and eventually get to the adoption levels we know it's going to that like there's going that governments and other entities are going to put like a cellophane net over the the you know normie world that haven't gotten into Bitcoin yet and they're not going to know that they're basically w- playing with you know uh, tainted coins and everything like that kind of like what's going on in Cuba with uh like that uh that whole exchange that uh is taking the donations in bitcoin and really it's basically the government kind of um holding the bitcoin and and screwing over the people so it, you know it's just it's one of those things that like sets off a you know a lot of alarm bells for me but like i was pretty happy to kind of walk through that and figure out that it's not a possibility um do you think that that's, I mean, you, you were saying with server space and all that, not to get too far off topic, do you think that's something that, you know, in the future is something to worry about? No, that's absolutely insane, inefficient, makes no sense when an exchange could just refuse to let you withdraw your coin unless you make a two of two multi-sig with them where they hold a key so that they could just refuse to sign things they don't like. And honestly, <clears throat> I used to really not like the idea of more advanced covenant schemes because of that whole type of worry. But honestly, the more I think about it, um, I don't really see how that's like a substantial argument when you can just do things like I will not give you your coins unless you make a two of two multi-sig with me so that I can sign off on everything. Like, that doesn't add any kind of new nefarious thing that you can't already do. Yeah, like that attack vector already exists. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is kind of why sometimes I look at it and I go, you know, I feel like, if anything, we should go backwards and things and, uh, and, and get more basic. Um Okay. Fork so out multi-sig. Ban multi-sig. It's a threat to Bitcoin fungibility. Let's do it. Uh, I think uh, um, uh, NVK said something about like we should limit the block size to like like a hundred kilobytes or something. And I and then I responded and said, let's make the you know blocks you know every sixty minutes or something. Let's let's go backwards. Let's slow this thing down a little bit. Um, and throw a couple wrenches in the system so it doesn't get out of control. Okay, it, and I'm glad because honestly, you know, Shinobi, I was like, the fact that you were on board, I was like, I really got to dig into this more because it's, you would be one of the people that would be throwing up a lot of, you know, alarm bells and, and raising the alarm if there was something that was wrong here. So um, with 
Now, with the speedy rollout, I think that's the thing that really, really yeah. threw me off. And in like any time, it's like Bitcoiners is this big group of people that like consensus. And I mean, I don't know if everybody's like this in Bitcoin, but it's like me personally, I hate change. And so then it's like all of a sudden somebody's like, yeah, let's just quick, quickly change it real quick. I'm like, whoa, 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 no. Like this is our one chance to like save humanity with uh, with this with this sound money and let's not you know just like throw a wrinkle in there for no reason so do you think that kind of like poisoned the well on the conversation i mean amongst normies uh probably i am not in a rush to turn it on i do not support speedy trial at all i think that any feature going forward should be activated by a uasf um, I don't think even core should really have anything to do with activation mechanisms at this point, but like something I do want to say is criticizing that activation mechanisms is a completely rational thing, but what we've seen with like criticisms of the proposal itself is the biggest display <clears throat> of just complete and utter fucking stupidity and ignorance I have ever seen in this space in the last nine years. Like, it, it is mind-boggling to me. The, the only rational technical argument against this feature, in my opinion, is that we could do something that would do more stuff. But, like, all, all of the, the this nonsense of, like, it's creating, like, debt on the blockchain or, like, enables these scary things that you can't already do by using multi-sigs and refusing to let people withdraw their coins, like, is just rampant, utter fucking stupidity. <clears throat> and it's it's kind of really, really disappointing to me that it's gotten this far out of control because to me this just says that bitcoiners don't verify a goddamn thing they just parrot whatever their favorite talking head says and just roll with it in a state of complete ignorance and that's just sad so to speak on that i think it's different with this because if you compare it to taproot yeah, normies had to do some work. I mean, I consider myself... Normies didn't understand Taproot either. Excuse me. Excuse me. I can consider myself Shut as up, one of those normies. And, I mean, I actually put in some work to try to understand what this was. And it was at least easier to get the bare bones of it. Because it was solving a problem, I guess you could call it, that when Satoshi was making the shit... He used the basic ECDSA library and Schnorr just wasn't available because it was in the public domain. And so, I mean, you have the, the privacy benefits, you have the efficiency benefits. So Taproot itself kind of had this problem solution thing going with it. Plus it was in public scrutiny for three years. And it's just, with this thing, there's not a specific identify the problem ctv is a solution for this problem 
that's not as like clear cut. And I think the whole speedy trial, and yes, Jeremy removed that, but I don't feel like the speedy trial part really helped out with that. Because, again, why do we need this thing? Like, what are all the benefits? And maybe it's, again, people in spaces and normies misunderstanding that, oh, well, it seems like this was built for an exchange to handle UTXOs. How does that help the average Bitcoiner? But I think that was the main thing. There is a whole class of things that you can only do using pre-signed transactions, Phil. And the problem with that is you either have to trust somebody to not double spend things and rip people off depending on what those pre-signed transactions do, or you have to be directly involved in the multi-sig that is signing those pre-signed transactions. CTV removes the need to do those two things. It removes the need to be directly involved in a multi-sig to do stuff like that. Or it removes the need to have to trust somebody to not double spend money and screw you. Like that is a very clear cut limitation of the entire class of things you can do with pre-signed transactions. And what CTV does is optimize the shit out of the trust model there. So you don't have to directly interact with something yourself to be able to trust it or be forced to trust somebody to act honestly. Great. So you think the usability of doing that, like at the personal level, not like an exchange level, I mean, is that going to be baked into the wallet? I mean, we can only guess what that's going to look like. But I mean, you were champion, championing that, hey, like just the average individual can set up these, these covenants. So do you see that something becoming, you know, relatively feasible? Of course, Phil. It's no different than any other fork that's ever been activated. Um, unless you were technically competent enough to program shit yourself, were you running around using Taproot the instant it activated? No. You had to wait for a wallet you use to integrate support for it. Do you really see these features as something individuals will use, though? I mean, probably in yeah, the future, girl, maybe the if, you step, way if you want to set restrictions on like family members or whatever. But I, and again, we're early in Bitcoin and we can't really forecast exactly how people are going to use it. But again, what exactly do you see individuals using this for on a daily basis? Batch closing channels on Lightning through submarine swaps and being able to instantly open new channels in a single output with dozens or hundreds of users doing that interactively, even in incredibly high fee environments. The ability to have a cold storage vault where only a tiny portion of your coins can be moved out of it at any time so that your keys getting compromised or your wallet getting compromised does not lead to your entire stash being stolen. Um, you can build coin pools out of this. So multi-party payment channel constructs. Like I think that whole line of reasoning is kind of silly, Phil, because it, it boils down to what do you see people using this for? Well, whatever people build applications to do with it, like literally every other feature in Bitcoin, 
Like people don't just hack together their own wallets and just start doing shit themselves. They download software written by other people to take an application built out of the features that exist and do something useful for users. So to pull on that, like some of those ideas a little bit, um, the, the idea of, you know, limiting the amount of transactions or the amount of coins that can come out of a wallet, you know, so that in case you're ever compromised and, and, uh, you can, you can stop that. Um, like how would that actually, how would that work? I mean, you're just setting up a rule ahead of time that says, you know, X number of, you know, Satoshis can leave the wallet every you know month or whatever you set up. Is that basically what it would be? Yeah. You would set up a set of rules like that. The wallet would create a UTXO that commits to a transaction that takes out whatever that portion is um, and then sends the rest back to a change address that has a similar CTV lock with a time lock for whatever time interval you want. And that would just nest forward like that. And then the next transaction would take the change and put it back into another CTV output like that. And it would just keep doing that. Okay. I'm, I'm a fan of that. Um, and then for like the average listener that's, you know, I mean, I'm kind of following you with the, the submarine swaps and stuff like that, but like for lightning channels, you're talking about, you know, eventually when this gets adopted at scale, the ability to to close down in open lightning channels specifically um, for liquidity between like your own wallets or your wallet and somebody else's or how how would that help in that scenario? Well, let's say that you have a lightning channel and all of the money gets pushed to your side and you still want to be able to keep receiving money. What you do now, if you don't close that channel, is subswap that into an on-chain UTXO. Well, <clears throat> that requires a single output for each user. You know what I mean? Each, each user is getting their own on-chain transaction with their own atomic swap contract to eventually claim that output. With something like CTV, you could have a single output commit to a bunch of people in a single swap transaction like that. <clears throat> like you could have a hundred people all emptying their lightning channels for an on-chain swap that would eventually furl out and let everybody individually claim that. And that could go slowly unfurl into people's cold storage wallets. That could go directly into opening other lightning channels. But it would guarantee that all of those things, once that first transaction confirms on chain, are locked in. And there's no other way for those coins to do anything. They do what they were committed to doing and can't do anything else. Sorry, I was coughing there. Um, okay. All right. I, I mean, that definitely, I see the benefits there. And, um, and I mean, something honestly, since, since uh, the conference that I've been thinking about is just how lightning really needs ramped up and kind of needs uh, beefed up because I don't think it's, 
ready and this is my smooth brain you know non-technical i'm not a developer mindset and just looking at the overview of everything i'm like i think i don't think we're quite there to handle what we want it to do and what everybody is hoping it'll do do you think this will be something that'll push that i mean it's not going to be a panacea or a silver bullet for everything but it would sure as hell help like lightning Lightning cannot handle more than maybe like a hundred million users right now. If more people than that tried to non-custodially all hop on Lightning and use it, uh, things would start breaking just due to scaling limitations. Yeah, I can I can see that, and um, like as I mean, I think I mentioned to you before, Shinobi, but like there's something that. With my company, we want to try and build something on Lightning, and and I'm like, initially I was gung ho, like we're gonna get this out here and it's gonna happen immediately. And now I'm like, you know what, like, and I'm like, again, I'm not the technical person. I come, I'm the idea man, and I'm just sitting there going, you know what, this is probably gonna take a little bit longer. Because um, as much as everybody was jumping, you know, I mean, there were, people weren't re- really reacting to the Jack Mallers news, but like, do you think? That that and not to get off of BIP one nineteen, but like the the strike announcement with being able to pay anywhere with Lightning, you know, is that something that's really going to be doable? Because if you like you said, if you can't handle more than a hundred million users, like I, I mean, you can't you can't scale that quickly where you can just go into any you know grocery store and, and pay with Lightning. I mean, key keyword is. 100 million users that are non-custodial like lightning could go very far if you have people using custodial services and wallets it's the non-custodial part that really runs into scaling problems okay gotcha um hmm. okay so what like what are the concerns here with BIP 119 because you know nothing's perfect in the in the Bitcoin world and um, you know is there any kind of drawbacks that you see in in this proposal I do not see any valid criticism of CTB except that it is limited which was literally the design goal is just do the simplest, most basic thing that can be done so that there are not a million different like security issues or potential problems to think about. Um, And you could do a lot more advanced like style covenants that could do a lot more complicated shit. Um, Aside from that, I do not see valid criticism for this proposal. I mean, it's it's always perfectly rational and everybody's right to go, I do not want a change just because I don't want things changing. But as far as criticizing the features of the proposal itself, I think everything I've seen in the last two weeks is just total horseshit, except the argument that we could do something more like more complicated. 
This episode is brought to you by the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet from Shift Crypto. It is the easiest, most simple to use hardware wallet. You get set up and done in five minutes. And I took me less than five minutes. So if it can take me less than five minutes, it can take anybody less than five minutes to set up. And it's very simple. Comes with a micro SD card that you can use to instantly back up your wallet. Um, and it's made in Switzerland. It's open source. And that includes the firmware on the Bitbox O2 and in the app. Um, and it has a ton of security features that you can find on shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin made simple. And in the Bitcoin only version, it has very limited firmware and only supports Bitcoin. And less code means less attack surface, which improves your security when you're storing Bitcoin. So um, I strongly recommend everybody use it. It's actually really addicting because I keep sending my Bitcoin off of exchanges. And if you've seen any of the noise on the on Twitter, get your Bitcoin off of the exchanges. So get it off the exchanges and make sure it's not getting rehypothecated by any exchange. And to do that, use the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet and you can get one for 5% off. If you use our promo code Bitcoin Made Simple, just go to shiftcrypto.ch slash Bitcoin Made Simple and use the promo code at checkout Bitcoin Made Simple for 5% off your Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. Do you want to run through all the FUD and those shitty arguments? You cannot build government whitelists. It does not break fungibility. Um, Everything that can be done with CTV can be done with pre-signed transactions. Um, It does not present a threat to the network by building up a bunch of transactions that are going to happen in the future. Uh, That's what Lightning Network does. Um, that's what state chains does. That's what channel factories do. That's what DLCs do. That's what anything based on a pre-signed transaction does. Also, on that note, um, literally just people having custodial coins on exchanges <clears throat> is something that could randomly become a torrent of transactions on the blockchain if people freak out and want to withdraw them. Uh, like all, all of these arguments are just completely nonsensical to me. Like they're they're not legitimate criticisms. Sorry if you already stated this, but can you explain why the whole whitelist thing is impossible? We already did that, Phil. You're out of your element. I prefer to say that I'm usually over out over my skis, um, because nothing seems more appropriate than whenever I start to. Get a uh, get a little get out of my comfort zone. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna flip and, and fall into the into the snow here. So, um, okay, so I think what happened is the fact that it went straight to speedy trial, or you know, and and was gonna happen so quickly, is that I think it seemed like people were scrambling to try and figure out what this was, and and I've noticed that you know as people have started to dig in you know we're like no 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 that's not a concern like we were worried about you know that's not okay this isn't um this isn't a concern what do you say to the people that just want to leave bitcoin as it is forever in perpetuity and and not change anything about it good luck um, if we do that, then Bitcoin is going to break because it's not going to scale to enough people non-custodially and have fun with 
that reality where everybody talking about how Bitcoin is some self-sovereign money where everyone can custody their own money uh, was just a lie. Gotcha. And okay. Sorry. I'm just running through this in my head. So, cause one of the things I was kind of thinking about this and I'm curious to get your take Shinobi, because I think as far as like, you know, the constitution in the United States goes, we are on the same um, page there. And I was wondering like, you know, cause we, as we make these forks and, and continually add like, is there a way to make sure that it's we don't rush into things into the future? Is it just is it or is it just the user activated soft fork like that's the way to protect it? Like using a use UASF or a user rest, uh, was it with URSF, whatever uh, rejected or um, is that the way to to govern this um, to make sure that we don't stray too far and make quick adjustments that we don't. That, that aren't beneficial yeah um i would say that the danger of miners being the central focus of activation mechanisms is that they effectively get a social perception of being in charge of that and the faster we grow with people coming in they're just going to perceive that is how it works and eventually if we grow fast enough just start doing what miners want. I think the exact same risk exists for developers. If developers just roll shit out and they're kind of the socially perceived focal point of that and turning on new features and we grow too fast, then new people are just going to look and go whatever developers say. And that's bad. But when it comes to a UASF, when people actually have to make that choice themselves, download something new themselves to put their weight behind activating something, then either there is enough independence, real support for something amongst users and businesses and economic actors to get something turned on, or there isn't, <clears throat> and then some small group of doofuses fork themselves off onto a new chain and have to decide whether they want to keep using a shitcoin or quietly just shut everything down and come back to Bitcoin. And I think that is a very important dynamic because it there is no focal point. There is no consistent thing for new people as they keep coming into this ecosystem as we keep growing to just look and go, that's the people who make the decisions. You have to make them yourself. And I think that is a very important social dynamic to create as we're going through explosive growth, because otherwise people will just perceive somebody to be the decision makers and they will wind up just doing what they say. So since it was sort of a consensus that we have Taproot, would it not make sense for developers to explore what Taproot can enable and see if so, it, uh... we've been doing that for like years like since before Taproot was even finished um maybe I should restate my question we have Taproot why can't we just spend 
time, however long it takes to use that to do whatever we want to do with CTV. Taproot does not solve the problem that CTV does. And also, TikTok, TikTok, Bitcoin does not scale to even a tiny fraction of this planet to use Bitcoin in a self-custodial way. The bigger Bitcoin gets, the more ridiculously difficult it is going to be to add new features that improve scalability until eventually you're just not going to be able to do it at all so tick tock tick tock tick tock like that clock is ticking and it doesn't mean we should just rush and ignore caution and not be skeptical and conservative but it also does mean that we can't just sit on our ass and pretend like that clock isn't ticking because it is great i'm all for not sitting on your ass how long do you think we have 10 maybe 20 years if we do not keep growing at an explosive rate so what all like theoretically needs to be done to onboard the world. You need to be able to pile as many people as you possibly can into collaboratively controlling a single UTXO. They have to be able to always redeem their coins if they need to. You have to be able to punish people who refuse to cooperate and get that UTXO's balance distribution updated in the most efficient way possible so that people doing that can get kicked out and everybody else can keep spending and updating that UTXO to use their money. And you have to push that as far as you can push that because that's the limitation. Everybody's not having their own UTXO. That doesn't scale. So you need to make the ability to share UTXOs as scalable, as safe, as denial of servant or service resistant as you possibly can. Okay, and, and sorry for sounding like an idiot, but how walk me through again how CTV helps with that? Because I see where you're saying with the problem and I'm actually starting to get a better understanding, I think, lately of the, the, the gravity of how much work is involved to scale this out and, um, and really, you know, become the, the world's reserve currency and something everybody uses. So how does CTV help multiple people use the same UTXO and sorry if you explained this already, but I'm I'm working on getting some wrinkles in my brain. I'm trying. It lets you unequivocally guarantee that an existing UTXO can only be spent to a predefined place. So for instance, people could do something like build a coin pool where 
um, a CTV output has a taproot tree. And that taproot tree has CTV locks to a pre-signed transaction that guarantees that one person gets their money out of that coin pool and the rest of that money goes back into the coin pool uh, in a multi-sig address minus the person who just left. And when you update that coin pool off-chain or on-chain, if you want to do it less efficiently, and you replace a pre-signed transaction with a new one with different scripts, different balance distributions, you can update that taproot tree so that all those amounts committed to like that are the most recent balance. And you can guarantee that instead of a shit ton of transactions having to hit chain that split one UTXO up into hundreds of UTXOs for one person to leave if they want to leave, but like somebody's being an asshole and holding them up, you can get the one transaction that gives them their money back and puts everybody else's back into the coin pool. So it is way more efficient, guaranteed once that first transaction hits chain and confirms that the next one splitting balances up does exactly what it's supposed to do properly. And it's way less complicated in terms of the script and transaction mechanisms that guarantee the correct outcome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I follow that. So, okay. Is there any of the, like, I guess, what would you say, you know, I'm not trying to talk to somebody, but like Jeremy, that's, that's not here. I'm not trying to, you know, but what would you say, would have been a better approach to roll this out. I think he should have just started talking about a fucking UASF with like a year or two time horizon. I'd run that. Yeah. I mean, to me that kind of feels like the way it should be, you know, going forward is that, uh, and I, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, I agree with you, Shinobi, that like, I don't understand what, I don't understand it to your level, you know, and hadn't studied it as much. So, you know, but the takes have been all over the place and like what my thought process of what this is has like changed so dramatically in like a period of like nine days. Um, So, and it's continuing to change. Um, But I I feel like this is kind of like the, the, the Bitcoin governance kind of working at its in, in the way it's designed and the fact that there is nobody that makes one, you know, there's no ruling entity. And like, so if you try to come in and just like burst onto the scene and shove something through, I kind of love the fact that the Bitcoin community's reaction is like, well, oh, no, 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 not happening. Like, let's, let's slow your roll. Let's like, you know what I mean? Like people were, because it was getting forced through so quickly, it was like, me and like other people we were all like no just like flat out rejected you know what i mean like and um so i mean that might be like a lesson 
for the future, but also at the same time, we always have to stay vigilant because, you know, the, the people that want to take Bitcoin down and get, you know, nefarious things into the code could use that and kind of understand like, okay, hey, if I slow, slow roll something out for four or five years, um, I mean, yeah, I, that's just kind of my thought process. I mean, what do you think about, do you think that's kind of why the ideas and the, the, the takes have been all over the place outside of Andreas, you know, rambling and, and not really understanding what he was talking about? No, I think that for every one person who had a skepticism around this because, hey, I don't understand this, slow down. There have been like four people actively talking out of their ass proactively against something because of reason X and reason X is just completely non-factual bullshit. I am way more pessimistic in my interpretation of this. I think that people with just a healthy skepticism of change period who just didn't understand this is a huge minority compared to the clownish morons who just heard one thing from some other clown and took it as fact and started proactively arguing this is dangerous because of nonsense that's not truth. And I actually, like, people have been framing the proposal to activate CTV as an attack on Bitcoin. I think actively spreading non-factual information under the guise of being just skeptical of change is a much more insidious attack on Bitcoin because it is an active attack on people in this space, educating themselves to come or not to come to consensus on something like actually making the system scale. Hmm. Okay. Now I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I mean, I I'm, I'm kind of coming around to it. And again, I mean, I have a lot more research and reading to do. Um, cause it's not, it's not, we, we, we trust way too much in this Bitcoin ecosystem. You know what I mean? Like everybody talk, everybody, pounds the pavement and says you know don't trust verify um but then i think we trust things way too much um so i'm i'm really like before i can even like vote on something like this you know let's say like with a node you know and doing a uasf i, I think proper research will be done and that's you know i think something i can encourage everybody to do um phil i know that you're much more skeptical than me. I mean, what do you, like, do you still, do you feel better about it or what What do you think? Can you repeat the question, please? What do you, uh, Phil, are you, you were more skeptical than me. Um, and I mean, I am not sitting here saying I sign off on it, you know, but like Shinobi is definitely somebody, you know, like there's a, you know, somebody I trust to like actually read everything and, um, and kind of take like a, you know, take a, 
take a lead on something and, and know whether or not I should be alarmed. But you should also, tr- you know, do your own research and figure everything out for yourself. Um, so, I mean, I'm feeling better about it. I just have to do more research. But Phil, has anything made you feel better by this conversation? Yeah, I feel better about stuff, and you know, I love what Shinobi does, and I've learned a shit ton from him. And so I'm gonna listen back to this episode and you know think it over. But I mean, he's totally right. Bitcoin's got to scale somehow, and it's just going to take time and people's effort into learn what the stuff is and what the best approach is going to be. But I really think that this was a very constructive and helpful conversation. I appreciate everything that Shinobi's doing out here. It's awesome. Uh, Shinobi, I had, so this is something I was going to bring up, but I figured once we got through a lot of the, the BIP questions and, but, uh, but I had this thought when I was thinking about any kind of, you know, user activated software and like looking into the future, you know, let's say like 200 some years into the future, which obviously we won't be around for but like, are are you are user activated softworks going to even be a thing that happens and is that going to be or is that going to be a chance you know 100 years from now 150 years from now where they can start bastardizing the you know the code and and ruining it by slipping things in and i liken it to an analogy of what is going on with the constitution and how that has been bastardized and completely, you know, like shit on from what it was originally meant to be to what it is now. Do you think that that's something that could be a problem? Because, I mean, in the future, like in 250 years in the future, we could be, you know, doing something completely different where like, you know, people, it, it could be like eight layers, 10 layers deep, the, the main chain that people don't even pay attention to. So like there could be some nefarious actors that come in and, and kind of, you know, uh, change things and tweak it to, to fit their, to fit their desired goals. I mean, is there something away with, you know, making it harder to soft fork? Is it, is it, is there a way to maybe slow that process and make sure to protect against any attacks in the future? Get bigger. <clears throat> That's the only defense. Like, get bigger, more people involved, it'll be harder to organize things. But, yeah, if people using Bitcoin, building businesses and software and tools on top of Bitcoin do not pay attention to its code base in the long term, then the whole thing is going to fail. Like, this is the same existential crisis of half of the internet that we're using right now where critical code bases or protocols or blah 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 are maintained by some single software engineer in their free time um, and then half of the internet started using it but it's still just that one guy in his free time uh give an example out of of something like that that we use too much Major cryptography libraries used for things like SSL and web browsers (laughs) were just, like, maintained by people in their free time. Like, start looking at open source libraries and how 
many forks there are of them, how how many places they're used. Half of the internet is ran on shit. Just some dude made some code that worked really well for one thing and everybody started using it. And now all these people are using this code base that this one dude maintains. Like, you would shit your pants if you realized how common that is. Kind of like whenever people with Ethereum realize that it all runs on AWS. Yep, except at least Amazon is a fucking multi-billion dollar company with resources behind it. (laughs) And not just some person doing it in their free time. Yep. I mean, back in the Wild West days of the early internet, like, whoosh, you, you really, I don't know, it's like dangerous. You could have really, really gotten um, yourself uh, exposed to a lot back in the day. I mean, it's still not perfect, but um, I'm not, uh, I'm not a cryptographer, so I gotta, I, I, gotta, I really wish I was. Um, it's just one of those things that. Can I add it to my list of things to study and pay attention to? Um, which is always hard whenever, you know, you just have a bunch of other things going on in life. And then, uh, and then <laughs> I wish I could just sit down and, and study this stuff more. Um, so any billionaires out there that just want to come by and swing by and buy all my companies, like I would actually consider it so I could spend my time thinking about these things. Actually, I told my wife, I was telling her I wanted to start like, tinkering with different things um and like how like that this things for hobbies that i want to do and she was like you know that's not her nature to be doing that so she's like well you know why like just joking with me i said well you know the idea of like taking raw materials and then creating something out of it it would just be like you know so satisfying and she was like you know what you could do you could take raw materials every day and put them together to make a meal and then eat that meal. And she had me absolutely just nailed to the cross. I was like, well, yeah, it's been like a decade that I haven't had to think, hey, what am I going to eat next? And how do I make it? Because um, I'm a spoiled brat. So, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I just, I'm so afraid of any kind of change with Bitcoin. So I think it's good that we we take our time, but also have people spending so much time doing this. Do you think that the the developers are getting out over their skis and trying to be the the voices for Bitcoin, like kind of how the miners try to, you know, project that influence? No, I think actually most of them are doing the exact opposite to a degree that is annoying because as much as developers should not be putting themselves out there as like the Lord of Bitcoins, it's like Jesus Christ, people, you have to communicate some shit to people or they're not going to understand a fucking thing. Maybe that should be like, I should look into doing like a monthly segment and getting a like developer on to just be like, Hey, what's going on here? Cause yeah, I, I mean, it's like, I feel like, just all of a sudden this this bip coming out of nowhere and just being like, we're going to do it. You know, and it's like you had the time to research it, but like everybody else is like, well, like, no, 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 I can't do this. Like, you know, I'd, I'd rather go back to, 
you know, the stone ages of, of Bitcoin. Um, Phil, do you have any questions about scalability? Cause I kind of want to maybe pull on that thread a little bit, but before I do, I wanted to see if you had any, anything you wanted to bring up. No, nothing in particular. I mean, I have heard from people like guy and others that it's not actually a scaling solution. Um, but if I asked Shinobi to address that, he'll probably say that he already did. So, uh, no, I did on Twitter. I'll do it again here though. That whole argument is ridiculous. Just period. Cause the whole argument is that deferring transactions on chain to some future time is not scaling. That is literally the entire scaling solution of lightning. It's taking transactions and instead of doing them on chain, deferring them to some point in the future. That is literally the entire scaling strategy of Bitcoin. Like that that's literally the whole strategy. Yeah. Once it once that was explained that way, I was like, okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um which to guy, you know, to guy's credit, you know, we were all sitting there and like he came out and was like, you know what, actually I this I gotta dig back into this and, and work through this and and I think a lot of us are just kinda working through it out loud, um which is better than pro like, you know, um prophe- prophesizing or I don't know what the word is, sorry. It's midnight, I'm tired. But like you know, campaigning against something that you don't really understand. Um, and that's what like, you know, the, the, the best Bitcoiners that I think are in this space are the ones that are actively asking, but also seeking. Um, so, you know, I'm always recommending people do that. Um, because these conversations are the only ways we're going to do this going forward. And kind of like you were saying, Shinobi with protecting it in the future is like, we have to stay engaged in these conversations, or we're going to lose that. And that could be people that are listening to this recording somewhere a hundred years from now in the future. Like you guys better be paying attention to what's going on and, and actively debating all this shit because the entire monetary system of the future depends on it. Um, but yeah, it, it, that is the whole scaling it has to be that way because eventually, I mean, what do you, how do you think it'll scale in the future, Shinobi? Like, I wonder about that sometimes. It's like, is it going to be like on-chain transactions are going to be these massive like bank-to-bank like, you know, loans or, you know, transactions back and forth like where they, you know, the overnight settling and all that kind of stuff. Is that basically what it'll come down to where it'll be so infrequent? Not infrequent, but like, it's it just, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause I guess if it scales to the whole world, it's still going to be jammed no matter, no matter how many layers are on top of it. But yeah, anyways, I'm rambling. You go. If we don't figure out how to address the scaling solutions of more and more people sharing UTXOs, then yeah, that's exactly what it'll wind up being bank settlement and settling lightning channels between custodians which is if that's how it goes not the worst thing in the universe that could happen 
because if you really think about lightning and where we could really push it to, you're talking about the potential for hundreds of millions of banks to exist and be able to seamlessly settle with each other. So while that's not the world of everybody being able to directly control their own Bitcoin that I think we should be shooting for, I think if that plays outright, it could be infinitely better than things are now (laughs) with just like thousands of banks that exist that are massive and centralized and not flexible and a handful of payment rails that all of them depend on to settle amongst themselves. Like it's not what we should be shooting for, but I still think it would be a massive improvement. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so too, but, but I do agree. I mean, it's really, so you're saying the CTV route really is the, the path towards becoming the most sovereign possible so that people can be controlling their actual Bitcoin on layer two and layer three or whatever above it. Yeah. I think it's a step in that direction and there's no safety risks. There's like nothing that it's going to do to fuck with Bitcoin that you can't already do with the shit we have now. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm it's like, I, I say this jokingly, but the point I'm trying to make is serious. Like if you think things like CTV are a risk to Bitcoin fungibility, then you should be campaigning to fork multi-sig out of the protocol because it can do the same shit and make whitelisted systems. But the funny part about that is you can't even do that. Because Schnorr and ECDSA both support multi-sig schemes that look like one key that you can't even tell are multi-sig. So you couldn't even fork out multi-sig. That is, I mean, that's the argument that I had not thought of, honestly, is taking multi-sig out. That would be, you know, John Carvalho was, was on and he said that he, he doesn't even, I think he said something about he doesn't run, um, he doesn't run taproot on his nodes, um, which, you know, I guess it's everybody's prerogative to like, you can, you can run just standard, you know, uh, standard Bitcoin core. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Do you think that's a problem or just letting I people, mean, you, you can, you can do that if you want. I think it's really fucking stupid because there are people using taproot, even if you don't want to use it. And you're not verifying that. So your node is more vulnerable to miners fucking with it and lying to it than people who enforce Taproot. So even if you're not going to use Taproot scripts or keys yourself, uh, not validating that, you, you can choose not to validate that, but I think it's really fucking stupid. And I hope that his business is using a node that's enforcing Taproot. Because if not, that's downright retarded and a little reckless. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak for him. Uh, and, and it was funny too. I just got that uh, that I knew, I heard that quote. I mean, I've listened to the episode a couple times. Um, it was Phil and Guy and John talking, but I also I had to go in and edit it because I I got caught on a hot mic because <laughs> um, Phil was using my Zoom account to to zoom everybody in. And so I was like, I'll just let it run on my computer. I have a couple business calls to take. And like in the middle of the their podcast, I had pushed the computer away, but the microphone was like in its resting place away from like my face when I'm sitting at my computer. But since I was like kicked back, it was like right next to my face. And I just started talking about making films in Barcelona and all this other stuff and like it's in the middle of like Carvalho like doing like a three minute answer and all of a sudden you just hear like yeah I'll hear why they do more movies in Barcelona and like they're like what and then of course I started talking about things like uh, uh, things that would get me censored on different platforms um, <laughs> like big no-nos that you don't talk about um, and uh, you know I was saying, thank God the other side of the conversation wasn't being heard. But yeah, that's that's how I, I heard that. It just happened to me when he was talking about not activating Taproot. Um, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think of... I have I hate to go back in something I'm not saw and fresh on my mind, but he sent a note to Jeremy. Um, was that more in reference to the... Phil, you might know better. Was that more in reference to the to the speedy trial than it was to the BIP itself. I think so. And just how Bitcoin consensus has worked and like whatever precedent it is and his, you know, quote unquote, the free market decided they wanted stuff in the past, but yeah, it was, it was just more like how the process process works. But I, I guess as time goes on, things uh, bend and uh, new people come in so i don't know i mean do you have a direct question for shinobi in that regards i actually agree with most of that letter i just think that he takes it a little far in pretending like developers do not understand a lot of problems and their solutions that users do not uh a huge part of being successful building something and bringing it to market is understanding people's problems better than they do. That's why things are successful in the market. So I agree with most of that letter, but I feel like he goes a little retard at the end and taking it to the extreme where he's kind of denying the reality that people who succeed in the market do so by recognizing other people's problems and how to solve them better than they do. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and Shinobi, just to give people, I, I asked you this before on the podcast, but like, how did you get to the point where you absorb all this knowledge and become so knowledgeable? Because your background was not in this stuff, right? I spent an unhealthy amount of time obsessing over Bitcoin and developed autism. So you you developed autism. You didn't get it 
by birth you have now developed it as a as a trait. Yes, because of Bitcoin, sir. And that is what I love about Bitcoiners is uh, is we just sit here and we get this mind virus and we get sucked into it and uh, and it and it grabs hold of us. I mean, I, like stupid things that I would have never ever thought of actually trying to sit down and understand. Like I'm talking about, like how to like communicate things wirelessly. Like it's like, how the hell did I get to this point? Like, why am I why am I studying these things that I never thought I'd be studying? And it's really, frankly, exhausting. Um, and, I, and maybe this is just kind of speaking to Bitcoiners as whole. Is like this we're we're like truth seekers, and these last two plus years have just been even more exhausting than always being a truth seeker. Like it's just it's there's so much research, you know, that goes into everything. And do you ever get to that point where like in normie world, somebody's like, well, why is Bitcoin, you know, going to survive? And you're like, ah, ah, I just, I can't like, you know, you do the Michael Saylor, you know, like that video that was going around. It's just like, you get to the point where you're like, I mean, really, if we're going to have this real conversation, it's like three hours long. Like, I can't just sit here and explain to you. Um, I don't know. Do you get to that point? Yes, that's when I call people morons. But uh, thank Shinobi, thanks for coming on and and answering some questions. And I'm I'm going to continue to blow you up in DMs and ask you questions as I come across them. And and the good news is, I think the right people, you know, the people that I learn from and pay attention to, are you know asking the right questions and not being fanatical about it phil aside phil is just so fanatical and he's he is getting tattoos that say stop bip 119 um and he's going to overthrow bitcoin to take this down it's not just stop it's an attack get it right it's an attack on me it's an attack on you it's attack on anybody that uses bitcoin especially my pronouns Thanks again to Shinobi for coming on and for Phil uh, jumping in and asking some questions too. And thanks again to Shift Crypto and their Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. I will talk to you guys next week.